encyclical letter in Priclara sumorum on dante april thirtieth nineteen twenty one by pope benedict the fifteenth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org encyclical letter of his holiness pope benedict the fifteenth to our beloved brothers the professors and students of all the catholic institutions for instruction in literature and higher culture on the sixth centenary of the death of dante alighieri benedict the fifteenth pope beloved brothers health and apostolic benediction amongst the many famous geniuses who are glories of the catholic faith and who besides leaving in other fields of knowledge have left especially in literature and art immortal fruit of their ability deserving greatly of religion and civilization a special position has been attained by dante alighieri the sixth centenary of whose death will soon be celebrated but perhaps his singular greatness has never been set forth in such strong light as to-day when not only in italy which is justly proud of having been his birthplace exerting herself to honor his memory but all civilized nations through fitting committees of the learned are preparing to celebrate his memory in order that his exalted figure the pride and ornament of humanity may be honored by the whole world now in this wonderful chorus of all good men it is fitting that our voice should not be wanting but that we should in a certain sense take the lead inasmuch as first and foremost the church has a parental right to call alighieri her own as then at the beginning of our pontificate in a letter addressed to the archbishop of ravenna we prompted the restoration of the church where the ashes of the poet repose so now at the beginning of the centennial festivities it has seemed right to address you all beloved brothers who cultivate letters under the maternal vigilance of the church in order to show more clearly the intimate union of dante with this chair of peter and how the praise bestowed on such an exalted name necessarily redounds in no small measure to the honor of the catholic church and first of all since the divine poet during his entire life professed the catholic religion in an exemplary manner it can be regarded as in harmony with his wishes that this solemn commemoration should take place as it will under the auspices of religion and that if it is completed at st francis's ravenna its beginning is at florence in his beautiful church of st john to which his thoughts were turned with intense longing in the later years of his life when he was an exile desiring to be crowned there as a poet and his baptismal font born in an age which received as an inheritance from the past the splendid fruits of doctrine and philosophical and theological speculation and transmitted them to future ages with the stamp of the rigorous scholastic method dante amidst the various currents of thought which were then diffused among the learned became a disciple of that prince of the schools whose learning was so clear owing to the angelic character of his intellect st thomas aquinas and from him derived almost all of his philosophical and theological science though he did not neglect any branch of human knowledge and drank largely at the fountains of the holy scripture and the fathers having thus become acquainted with almost all the knowledge that can be attained in his day and having been especially nourished with christian wisdom when he prepared to write it was from the sphere of religion that he undertook to treat a subject which was immense and of the greatest importance 
wherefore if the wonderful vastness and force of his genius is to be admired we must also recognize the powerful impulse of inspiration which he derived from divine faith and which enabled him to embellish his immortal poem with the multiform lights of revealed truth no less than with all the splendor of art in fact his comedia which was deservedly received under the title of divine even in the different symbolical stories and in the records of the life of men on earth aims at nothing else than to glorify the justice and providence of god who governs the world in time and in eternity and punishes or rewards the actions of individuals and of human society therefore in accordance with divine revelation shine forth in this poem the majesty of the one triune god the redemption of the human race effected by the word of god made man the great mercy and goodness of mary virgin and mother queen of heaven and finally the heavenly happiness of the saints the angels and men to which indeed in the opposite region in hell are set the punishments ordained for the guilty between both being fixed the seed of souls destined after expiation to heavenly bliss it is truly marvellous how wisely these and other catholic dogmas are interwoven in the whole of the work and if the progress of astronomical science showed that there was no basis for this conception of the world and that the spheres supposed by the ancients do not exist seeing that the nature number and course of the stars and the planets are altogether different from what they thought them to be the fundamental principle was not the less true that the universe whatever be the order that sustains it in its parts is governed by the will by which it was established of almighty god who moves and rules all things and whose glory shines more in one part and less in another and that this earth which we inhabit although it be not the centre of the universe as was believed at one time was the abode of our first parents and therefore the witness of their unhappy fall and of men's redemption by the death of our lord jesus christ wherefore the divine poet explained the triple life of the souls that he had arranged in his mind so that in declaring before the last judgment the damnation of the wicked the purgation of the good spirits and the eternal happiness of the blessed he appears to see clear light in his close knowledge of the faith now amongst the truths prominently brought out by alighieri in his threefold poem and also in his other works we believe that these especially may prove instructive to people of the present time that christians owe supreme reverence to the holy scriptures and ought to receive with perfect docility what they contain he loudly proclaims when he says that though there are many copyists of the divine word one alone is dictator god who has deigned to indicate to us his will through the pens of many a splendid expression of a great truth so also when he states that the old and the new testament which are prescribed for eternity as the prophet says contain spiritual teachings which transcend human reason imparted by the holy spirit who through the prophets and the sacred writers through jesus christ co-eternal son of god and his disciples revealed the supernatural truth necessary for us most correctly therefore does he say concerning the future life we have the certainty of it in the most truthful doctrine of christ which is the way the truth and the light the way because through it without obstruction we proceed to the happiness of immortality the truth because it is free from all error the light because it illumines us in the darkness of worldly ignorance 
nor does he show less reverence for those venerable chief councils at which none of the faithful doubts that christ was present and in great esteem with him were also the writings of the doctors saint augustine and the others as to whom he says that any one who doubts that they were aided by the holy spirit has never seen their fruits or if he has seen them has never tasted them astonishing is the high opinion alighieri held of the authority of the catholic church and the power of the roman pontiff as that on which is based every law and institution of the church itself wherefore this energetic admonition to christians you have the old and the new testament and the pastor of the church who guides you that is sufficient for your salvation he felt the evils from which the church suffered as if they were his own and deploring and execrating every rebellion against the supreme head he thus wrote to the italian cardinals during the stay of the popes at avignon we then who confess the same father and son the same god and man and the same mother and virgin we for whom and for whose salvation was said to him who out of love was interrogated three times peter feed the sheep of my holy fold we of rome of that rome for which after the pomp of so many triumphs christ in word and work confirmed the empire of the world and which peter and paul the apostle of the gentiles consecrated as the apostolic see with their own blood are constrained with jeremiah lamenting not for the future but for the present to grieve for as widowed and deserted we are oppressed by sorrow at seeing her thus suffering and also at seeing the lamentable plague of heresy for him the roman church is the pious mother or spouse of the crucified and to peter infallible judge of revealed truth is due perfect submission in matters of faith and morals hence though it was his opinion that the dignity of the emperor proceeded immediately from god still he asserts that this truth is not to be so strictly understood that the roman prince is subject in nothing to the roman pontiff since this mortal happiness is in some manner ordained for immortal happiness in truth an excellent and wise principle which if it were observed as it should be to-day would bring to states the rich fruit of civil prosperity but it will be said that he attacked the sovereign pontiffs of his time so bitterly and contumeliously yes but these popes who disagreed with him in politics and who he believed belonged to the party that had banished him from his country but we must extend pardon to a man so tossed about by fortune's terrible waves if with a mind full of irritation he sometimes bursts into invectives which seem without measure all the more because to inflame his anger there were not wanting evil reports propagated as is customary by political adversaries always inclined to put a bad interpretation on everything moreover such is the weakness of mortals that even religious hearts must be stained with the grime of the world's dust and who will deny that there were at that time amongst the clergy things to be reproved at which a soul so devoted to the church as that of dante must have been quite disgusted and we know that men distinguished for eminent sanctity then emphatically reproved them but however vehemently he rightly or rashly attacked ecclesiastical persons not a whit less however was the respect which he felt due to the church and the reverence for the supreme keys wherefore in politics he knew how to defend his own opinion with 
that homage which a pious son should employ towards his own father pious towards his mother pious towards christ pious towards the church pious towards the pastor pious towards all who profess the christian religion for the protection of truth accordingly having based the whole structure of his poem on such solid religious principles it is not surprising that it should be found a treasure of catholic doctrine not only the juice of christian philosophy and theology but also a compendium of the divine laws which should regulate the order and administration of states for alighieri was not the man to maintain that in order to enlarge one's country or to gratify rulers justice and the laws of god should be neglected by the state in the observance of which he well knew the welfare of the state chiefly depended wonderful then is the intellectual enjoyment which the study of this great poet affords and not less is the profit which the studious derive from him perfecting their artistic taste and inflaming their zeal for virtue only let those who approach him be free from prejudices and open to the influence of truth it may also be said that whilst the number of great catholic poets who combine the useful with the delectable are not few this is singular in dante that fascinating the reader with the marvellous variety of his images the beauty of his colours and the grandeur of his words and sentences he entices him to the love of christian wisdom and let no one forget that he openly confessed that he had composed his poem to provide vital nourishment for all as a matter of fact we know that some even recently far from christ but not opposed to him studying the divina commedia with love by divine grace first commenced to admire the truth of the catholic faith and finished by casting themselves enthusiastically into the arms of the church what we have said so far suffices to prove how opportune it is that on the occasion of this world's centenary each one should intensify his zeal for the preservation of the faith which revealed itself so luminously if ever in others certainly in alighieri as a promoter of culture and art since in him not only is the loftiness of his genius admired but also the grandeur of the theme that our holy religion offered him as a subject for song if the acumen of his great genius brought him near after long meditation and study to the classical masterpieces of the ancients it was still more rigorously tempered as we have already said by the writings of the doctors and fathers which gave him a wing to lift himself in the horizon far above those who are enclosed in the brief ambit of nature wherefore although separated from us by an interval of centuries he still betrays the freshness of a poet of our age and certainly he is much more modern than certain recent poets exhumers of that paganism which was banished forever by christ triumphant on the cross alighieri breathes the same piety as we do the same sentiments the same faith and is clothed in the same garment come to us from heaven the truth by which we are lifted so high this is his chief praise to be a christian poet that is to say to have sung in divine accents those christian ideals which he passionately admired in all the vigor of their beauty being profoundly attached to them and living in them and those who ventured to deny such merit to dante and reduce all religious substructure of the divina commedia to a vague ideology that has no foundation of truth overlook in dante what is characteristic and the foundation of all his other merits 
if then dante owed such a large share of his fame and grandeur to the catholic faith this single example not to mention others is enough to prove how false it is to say that the offering of the homage of the mind and heart to god clips the wings of genius whilst on the contrary genius is spurred and exalted by it and how wretchedly they provide for the progress of culture and civilization who wish to banish every idea of religion from public instruction very deplorable in truth is the system adopted today of educating studious youth in such a way as if god did not exist and without the slightest allusion to the supernatural for if in some places the sacred poem is not kept out of the school and is even numbered amongst the books that ought to be most earnestly studied it cannot for the most part supply the young with that vital nourishment which it is destined to produce inasmuch as owing to disciplinary directions it is not as it should be fittingly disposed with regard to the truths of the faith god grant that this celebration may have the result that wherever literary studies are cultivated dante may be held in due honor and may become himself the teacher of christian doctrine he who professed that his poem had no other object than to lift up mortals from the state of misery that is from sin and to lead them to the state of happiness that is of divine grace and you beloved sons who are called to follow the paths of literature under the guidance of the church love and hold dear the poet whom we do not hesitate to proclaim the most eloquent singer of christian wisdom the more you study him the higher will be your culture irradiated by the splendors of truth and the stronger and more spontaneous will be your homage to the catholic faith as a pledge of heavenly favors and in testimony of our paternal benevolence we heartily grant to you all beloved sons the apostolic benediction benedict the fifteenth pope end of in praeclaris humorum on dante april thirtieth nineteen twenty one